The following Dharma talk was given by Jody Hojin Kimmel at Zen Mountain Monastery. Hojin Sensei is head priest at the monastery and the abbess of the Zen Center of New York City. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org. Thanks for listening. Namu Samantabhadra Bodhisattva Namu is to be one with, to embody, to take refuge in. And tonight I wanted to look um, with you more deeply into what it is to be intimate with Samantabhadra Bodhisattva, with the energy, the vows of Samantabhadra. Um, I have not learned a lot about Samantabhadra. I don't know about you, but here I am saying, be one with. And I thought I could use a little bit more about who Samantabhadra is, which is the Sanskrit name and Fugen in Japanese. And uh, not only do we hear it in Fusatsu, but also in the Oryoki chant, as we chant the names let us recite the name of Buddhas. And in liturgy, we're encouraged to bring forth, invoke, and identify, identify with the awakened qualities of Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, past, present, and living teachers, and future. And part of the intimate language is we get to recite the names. We have images before us. And we bow, lots of bows, to whoever is representing the tradition which has maintained these teachings. I bow. I bow to these qualities within ourselves, within all beings. And in the, this tradition, we're reminded that nothing is external, right? And it's kind of, I think, startling to realize and recognize to greater and greater extents as we go deeper and deeper into our practice that we are the world. We are the whole world. Namu. Be one with. That's what we bow to again and again, whether it's salt on the table to each other. Be one with. So their name is uh, translated, there's a couple names Universal Sage, Universal Virtue, Universal Worthy, Universal Good all-pervading benefit, and all-pervasive richness. That's my favorite. And Samantabhadra is enlightened activity in the world. So we do hear more about Manjushri and uh, Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva, Manjushri, the Bodhisattva of Wisdom, Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva of Compassion, 
Samantabhadra is a lot in, uh, featured a lot in the Avatamsaka Sutra. And in one, the Ocean of Realms part, it says, on teachings on Samantabhadra, it says, Samantabhadra represents one who has completed the Bodhisattva path. It says, Samantabhadra, uh, although sign, there are no signposts on the path itself, there are various ways of speaking of it. Indian Buddhists develop numerous sets of numbers about it. Six paramitas, ten grounds, the 53 stages. Samantha Bhadra has done all the numbers. <laughs> they are the culmination of the path. It's said that by practicing, as Samantha Bhadra did, by making and fulfilling their vows and aspirations, even the beginning bodhisattva becomes Samantabhadra through living as all-pervasive richness. So Samantabhadra represents the beginning and the end of the path. And in our Buddha hall here, we have the triad of uh, Shakyamuni Buddha, and to the left is Manjushri, wisdom, riding a lion, and Samantabhadra to the right, who's depicted um, usually youthful, noble, sometimes hands in gasho, um, sometimes a jewel, a sword, and this one is, or a lotus. So ours is holding a, um, a lotus flower and riding an elephant. I was looking at many in, in images of Samantabhadra, and really this, this talk is a kind of brush strokes on Samantabhadra. It's a very rich bodhisattva to look at. There's a lot of aspects to Samantabhadra. And Samantabhadra appears very serene and poised with no real effect. But the elephants, <laughs> they are wildly hilarious, <laughs> grinning and doing stuff with their eyes. Um, this one's got his eyes open and pretty um, stately. Um, usually they represent, um, it's said, they represent sovereignty, power, grace, thoroughness, patience. When you think about an elephant and you see them and next month in Dharma Encounter, our Shuso will say, now all you dragons and elephants in this Dharma hall, come forward. All you enlightened practitioners with awareness, with patience and thoroughness, come forward, come forward. So we need the eyes of Manjushri, the heart of Avalokiteshvara, and the hands and eyes and heart of Samantabhadra, which is wisdom in action, functioning in the world. And as we learn, wisdom needs to be practiced. There's no wisdom if it doesn't benefit other beings. Where's the wisdom? And then it has to be warmed up. It can't just be empty 
has to be warmed up. Samantha Bhadra's The Energy of Practice Benefiting the World. And I've come to think of Samantha Bhadra through working on this as the bodhisattva of just being an all-around good person. I come to think of you as people who are all-around good people. And maybe the reason we don't hear about them a lot is because one of the features of their practice is hidden good deeds. Kind of like the humble practice of the Shuso, our chief disciple. And this uh, hidden practice has been a motif, um, a colorful motif of um, Buddhism, Buddhist teachers going incognito in the bustling marketplace, under a bridge with beggars. Dongshan, or Tozan, um, ninth century, one of the founders of the Soto lineage, Tozan, the toe of Soto, um, advised his successors, hide your practice, serving secretly as if a fool. There's a painting I love, a famous painting of Daito Kokushi. It was a master that hid with the beggars. And the emperor wanted him to uh, be in his court to be the teacher, but he took off and he hid with the beggars. And so the uh, emperor got an entourage together. And uh, the, the famous painting is, uh, is Daito holding a, a melon out. And, and it's great because he's on the side and the feature is the melon in his hands. Very asymmetrical painting because um, he loved melons. So the emperor said, load up a cart with melons and go to all the beggars and say, if you can take this melon without using your hands, take it. So obviously they went around and everyone was like, so another melon goes, <laughs> another melon goes. And all the melons went. Finally, they get to this one, one person and <clears throat> they say, take this, and they say to him, take this melon without using your hands. And he says, well, give it to me without using yours. Got him. <laughs> so much for hidden practice. So practicing within, not being identified as a bodhisattva can help us nurture our skills and capacities allowing us to work more quietly and effectively in various situations. Samantabhadra's practice is hidden good deeds. And I think of the last slogan, the very last slogan. You know what that is, number 59? Don't expect applause. (laughs) That is not Samantabhadra. This bodhisattva does not need anyone to congratulate them. As Trumpa Rinpoche says, don't count on receiving credit for your good deeds or good practice. Nice toilet cleaning. (laughs) 
Great mop job, meal crew. Great Han. Amazing tonight. Not that recognition in itself is a bad thing that we shouldn't encourage or recognize in others because we know it can be really inspiring to see creativity, insights, ingenious problem-solving, acts of kindness. We can be really inspired. He says, don't, the problem arises with expect that what we do would be rewarded, and if not, we're bummed out. Bummer. So recently, studying the precepts, I was reminded and uh, found the origins of the Gatha of Atonement, which comes from Samantabhadra. Um, it's one of their ten vows that we can practice mindfully. So Samantabhadra also offers us, like Atisha, mind training, practices. And this is in the last chapter of the Abhatamsaka, or Flower Garland. And the ten vows are respecting all Buddhas. <coughs> we can practice that. Praising Tathagata Buddhas. Make offerings extensively. Repenting karmic obstacles. Confessing one's own past misdeeds. Rejoicing in the happiness of others. Requesting Buddhas to teach the turning of the Dharma wheel. Requesting the Buddhas to remain in the world, in this world. Studying the Dharma to teach it. Constantly following Buddhist teachings. Benefiting all beings. And transferring one's merits to others. Master, uh, a Chinese master, Zibo, said, if you fulfill just one of Samantabhadra's vows, you will achieve enlightenment without a doubt. Fulfill, okay? So, like, like uh, Yoshu was speaking about, these can be taken up like slogans in the middle of our everyday activity in the world in workplace, with family, partners, recall, recite, remember any of these vows. And I'd like to just focus on the fourth vow, repent karmic obstacles, confessing one's past, own, pa- own past misdeeds. And these are the words of their vow in the sutra. From beginningless time, I have acted unskillfully with craving, hatred, and ignorance in actions of body, speech, and mind. Determined now to begin anew, I repent. Sound familiar? It's where the Gotha of Atonement was drawn from, most likely, and how it came to us. But we use the words, instead of now I repent for it all, we say now I atone for it all. Perhaps because the word repentance brings up a lot for many of us. 
may have just a few minutes ago. <laughs> Maybe reminding us of confessional with a priest to whom you confess your sins and ask for forgiveness. Someone was giving a discourse um, on the subway a couple weeks ago and very loudly were repeating, repent, sinner, repent, repent, sinner, repent. And we were all sort of sitting there like chilled. (laughs) So in Buddhism, there isn't the idea of sin as an immoral act, a transgression against divine law or natural law. And those who have brought up, been brought up in such a way express that sin encourages one to feel shame, guilt, it kind of piles on that. And the system, system relies on the goodness of other power, Christ, God, or a saint, to fill, facilitate your redemption. However, in Buddha Dharma, there is an other power um, in Pure Land called Tariki, in Pure Land, where the power of Amitabha Buddha supports and empowers the Pure Land devotees' practice and redemption. And Tariki came to be seen, it said, came to be seen as the only effective power that could save the practitioner. Self-power, what we generate, juriki, was seen as arrogant and useless. So we speak of developing juriki, the power of concentration, self-power. Yasutani Roshi referred to juriki as a dynamic power that enables us, even in the most sudden and unexpected situations, to act instantly, no pausing to collect our wits, and in a manner wholly appropriate to circumstances. When we have that openness in the hara and in our concentration, this is possible. No pausing to collect our wits in a manner wholly appropriate to the situation, to circumstances. But both have this root key, energy, a sort of spirit energy. And jury means stability, strength, the power and ability to remain stable, undisturbed, balanced, focused, (coughs) with equanimity in zazen and in life circumstances. So in breath practice, each time we see a thought, acknowledge it, set it aside, release it, return to our root practice, we strengthen this power of jiriki, of concentration. Daito Roshi used to say to put our mind where we want it, and to have it there for as long as we need it. This is the mind of Zazen, a taste in Shikantaza, 
allowing the spaciousness. So we enlarge the spaciousness for any disturbance of mind, any reaction to whatever usually disturbs us. Do not grab or be reactive to our surroundings. We just, if that's happening, we just make more room, make more room, make more room. Guilt and shame do keep us reactive in the past, keeping our minds in the past. Past story doesn't really seem to promote letting go. Unable to return to the present. And it's just, it's there just being human. It's not really tied to any religion. There's plenty of it in all different (laughs) religions, right? Atonement is not about shame or guilt. More acknowledging the role that we play in the world and what we create and to see it clearly. Namu, at one with, not separate from, goth of non-separation, we could call it. And where we can express our regret, our remorse, as a way of addressing the suffering we have caused. We can apologize if it's appropriate. Accept responsibility. Accept a response Ability. Recognize what the burden is and return to the present, the immeasurable present meeting of what's right here now. What's right here now? Recognize is a great word to recognize. If it's from the French word recogno. Nuestre, to correct me if I'm not saying my French right, <laughs> means to rethink, to recall to mind, to know again. And I would add to refeel, refeel, not refuel, refeel. So there's an element of wisdom in recognizing, recalling to mind. And knowing again clearly our misdeeds, our karma, our twisted karma, ever committed by me, known and unknown. Whatever the consequences of our actions, whether wholesome or unwholesome, good or bad, we are the inheritor. So we have employment. We have a job. And that's to recognize this. And when we chant on our knees, it's not asking for forgiveness from someone for what we've done, not bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Bless me, Buddha. Someone out there, other power. No, it's... No gap between ourselves and the person who we might be asking forgiveness from or whom we may have harmed or from the actions we have committed. 
Now I atone for it all. Like, it's like Oriyoki, which is a practice where giver, receiver, and gift aren't separate. If you're a server, are you the giver or the receiver? If you're receiving, are you the giver or the receiver? Is there an or there? The same. It's the same. That the one who acts, the consequences, and the aggrieved party are not separate. And then we can avow, acknowledge, look again with eyes open, think again, refeel, and then move forward from this place. Sentient beings are numberless. I vow to save them. We make ourselves immeasurable again. I mean, sentient beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Wow, that's pretty big. (laughs) But still, yeah, they are numberless. And I do vow to save them. And all the way down. So when we move forward, that element of atonement encourages us to try not to create harmful consequences again. Like just because you can mend a broken leg, you don't want to break your leg again. Atonement can't rest on a wrong view. thinking we are separate. Right view is to clear our path from confusion, misunderstanding, and deluded thinking. And it's through those very things, misunderstanding, confusion, and delusion, that we get right understanding. So fusatsu means to continue good practice. We renew our vows to continue good practice or to stop Unwholesome action. Samantabhadra's wise practice. Why does this verse of Gotha Atonement come at the beginning of so many of our ceremonies? So many times before we take on something important. Ordinations. Before we receive the precepts when someone has died at the, in the, and we're doing the funeral, it's a student. Letting it be known, like moving forward with a bit of cleaning, like washing cloth before we dye it. And we have another kind of atonement beyond any idea of good or bad wholesome or unwholesome, helping or harming, zazen. Zazen is this atonement. Zazen is letting go completely. Quinang, we, when you were studying Quinang, Daikun Ino, sixth ancestor, talked a lot about this formless repentance in the Platform Sutra. And he stated, Formless repentance will annihilate the sins of past, present, and future. 
enabling you to attain purity of thought, word, and deed. Formless repentance happens in each instant. From the preceding moment of thought, the present moment of thought, and the following moment of thought, from moment of thought to moment of thought, I will not be affected by folly or delusion, conceit or deceit, jealousy or envy. I repent of all previous folly or delusion, conceit or deceit, jealousy or envy, and other faults due to them. May they disappear all at once and never occur again. Where we live is in this relative world where we make choices every day and we use our discriminating mind all the time. No avoiding. We have to sometimes decide what's good and what's bad. But in Zazen, we just let the thought pass. No discrimination. No judgment. Only pure presence. We totally, can be totally free from discrimination. So we need different ways to move forward in each moment. Formal repentance cleans the slate, softens consequences of our self-centered actions of body, speech, and thought. Formal repentance. Formless repentance is addressing the roots of these actions. Formal repentance requires, prepares us for zazen. Formless repentance is zazen itself. In a piece called the Sutra of 42 Sections, the Buddha said, If a person has many offenses and does not repent of them, but cuts off all thought of repentance, the offenses will engulf them, just as water returning to the sea will gradually become deeper and wider. So it's good to atone. It's good to recognize our misdeeds. Be at one with the past twisted creations of body, mouth, and thought. And try to do better in the future. Whether we're working with the precepts, sitting in zazen, engaging in our life. What's emphasized is returning. Returning to our original nature before any thought of separation. Dogen Zenji wrote, We should reflect on it. He always brings us right back home. We should study it a little bit further. We should reflect on it. We should look once again. This is the exact point of a realized Buddha. With atonement, you will certainly receive invisible help from Buddha ancestors. Atone to the Buddhas with mind and body. The power of atonement melts the roots of unwholesomeness. This is the single color of true practice, the true heart of trust, the true body of trust. And in Samantabhadra's sutra, we're offered this. The ocean of karmic hindrances arises solely from delusive thoughts. If you wish to make atonement, Sit upright in an upright posture. 
and be mindful of the true reality. All misdemeanors, like frost and dew, are melted away in the sun of wisdom. So when we're sitting in zazen, open to the, opening our attention to the richness of experiencing presented by Samantabhadra. We've never been here before. We've never breathed this breath or heard these sounds or felt these situations. The beginning and the end of the path meet at the touchstone of that moment, of this moment, of this breath. So feel the breath and use that touchstone as a place from which to open the richness and the wholeness of your experience, of your experiencing. Everyone's name in this Dharma Hall is the practice of living as all-pervasive richness, opening to the transparency, expansiveness, luminosity, radiance of our experience as it actually is. As our practice opens further and further, we begin to understand that the vastness, intimacy, and richness of experience pervades everywhere. Once I heard in a talk, we can recast the all-evil karma ever committed by me since of old on account of my beginningless greed, anger, and ignorance to all good karma ever created by me on account of my generosity and wisdom and warmth. Now I give it away. Now I give it away to all. Okay, so now we're prepared to take refuge in the three treasures. Refuge is fleeing back home. Remember, recognize, practice vows of Samantabhadra Bodhisattva. Thanks so much for listening. For meditation supplies such as cushions, incense, liturgical instruments, Dharma books, and more, visit monasterystore.org. Support for your spiritual practice at home.